Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. And so we've been we've been looking especially around the passage and the passages that have to do with the rebuilding of the temple. And um, so today I want to continue on with this this thing of the building of the temple, the temple that we are. The temple back then needed to be rebuilt. It was a physical demonstration of the presence of God or the fact that God wants to be a part of our life. So back then, it was very physical. Today, uh, we are in a place that, uh, like, hey, it was a particular place, and it was in Jerusalem, and it'd be like, yeah, you know what? Can you imagine if uh, we'd have to go every week uh, to Jerusalem to meet with God? It'd be like, that'd be a, a little bit much to be able to, you know what? We've got to get on the plane and head out there, and and uh, uh, that would be kind of cool to, I've never been to Israel, I've heard things, and uh, uh, just to see where Jesus walked and all of that, but that the presence of God would be confined to a particular place at a particular time where he's saying, I want to meet with you, whereas now when it comes to the building of the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the, the Spirit of God is residing not in stone, a stone building, but is residing in living stones. And I want to read a few passages, uh, one from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and then from 1 Peter chapter 2. And then I want to go to this, this book of Ezra and uh, give a little bit more information on that as we get into uh, chapter 7 of Ezra. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this is who you and I are, as believers, the moment we give our life to the Lord. So the moment we give our life to the Lord by faith, our faith uh, in Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross, the taking care of that which separated us from God, which is what? What separates us from God? Sin. Sin separates us from God. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us we're dead in trespasses and sins. And the moment that we said, Lord, as I, as I come to you and as I come into the light of who you are, I see where I'm at. I see my condition and I see that I am, there are stains of sin in my life from what happened in the past. Or I might be in a place even now. It's like, man, sin has ravished my life. And here we come to the Lord, and the Lord is saying, but I died for you. I took all of your sins upon myself. And so there's this dealing with our sin by faith in Jesus Christ who died for the wage of our sin, the consequence of our sins, which is what? What are the wages of our sin? Is death. And we're not talking physical death. We're talking spiritual death and separation from God. And so as we believe in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, and as we receive him into our lives, there is a supernatural thing that takes place. As you said, two years ago on this day, we gave our life to the Lord. I gave my life to the Lord, and there was a supernatural thing that took place as you received Christ into your life. He took care of your sins, 
and there was a change that took place. And there's changes that are taking place because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, and it's a question, do you not know? Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that? Then it says in verse 17, it says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We be holy. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about this thing of building, of building, and in the fact that we are, are living stones. It says, coming to him as to a living stone, Jesus, a living stone, the cornerstone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God, to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And he's speaking here specifically of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Therefore, to you who believe, he, Jesus, is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He was rejected 2,000 years ago. And that stone that was rejected became the chief cornerstone that everything is built on him. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So there's a stumbling being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The moment that you gave your life to the Lord for two years, two, two years ago, you gave your life to the Lord. And there was this transformation that took place. A living, you became a living stone and there's a building up within you. Now, just a little bit of background as we go to Ezra. So the book that we, that, uh, that we would have uh, is in the Old Testament. And the time would be like over 450 years before Christ. So they, they've narrowed it down regarding the, the different things, the things that we know uh, regarding things that have happened and also scripturally. Uh, this was 457 B.C., so Ezra is writing, and uh, just a little bit about Ezra, because Ezra is now, he is coming after the temple, and the, the temple has been rebuilt. And so just a little bit of history here. It's about 60 years after Zerubbabel and the rebuilding of the temple. And Ezra continues 
basically Old Testament narrative of Second Chronicles. So we have First and Second Samuel. We have First and Second Kings. We have First and Second Chronicles. And First and Second Chronicles is a priestly view from basically First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. So it'll relay a lot of the same events, but from a priestly perspective, not a kingly natural perspective but more from a priestly perspective. And so Ezra is continuing on the narrative. Okay, so Second Chronicles, the very last chapter, the last few verses, a decree is given by Cyrus. And if you didn't catch the message uh, last week and, and even the last number of weeks, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, check it out on YouTube at Lighthouse Niagara. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. And link Link it, share it, yes, absolutely. Lighthouse Niagara, uh, and uh, you can catch it there. But it's interesting, powerful, uh, how God moved. And uh, Isaiah 45, and Isaiah lived, and is that, that passage of Scripture is written about 700, they're figuring 712 B.C. Here, Ezra, 457 B.C., that's 712 B.C. We're talking about 170, 180 years uh, almost uh, before. And, and Ezra, or Isaiah, 150 years prior, 140 years prior, is prophesying by name who will come, by name Cyrus will come and that there would be uh, an overcoming of the Babylonians. And how they, the Babylonians would be overcome. And so Cyrus, King Cyrus, makes a decree saying, and this is the Persian emperor saying, the house of the Lord God in Jerusalem needs to be rebuilt. And so here it'd be like, you know, some emperor king from uh, a superpower saying about Canada uh, there is going to be a temple built in, I don't know, the capital city of Canada. And it's from another country, another king. And so this, these kinds of things we recognize, especially as it's prophesied over almost 200 years prior that these things will take place, is a powerful thing. The God that we serve is a powerful God. So now Ezra... If you read Ezra, you'll find that the first um, six chapters deals with a second exodus. And ex exodus has to do with a moving out from one place to another. And so when we read exodus, that comes after, you know, we have Genesis and exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we have this story in exodus of the children of Israel coming out of slavery and coming out of Egypt and coming into the promised land. With this second exodus, you have to recognize that they, there was a huge contingent that were taken captive in or taken to Babylon. And so there had been a, t a captivity of around seven or it was 70 years. Exactly what the Lord had given. And even Jeremiah speaks of these 70 years. And um, so there's 70 years uh, that were 
indicated or uh, dictated by God that they would be in captivity before it happened. And so, and even as it's happening, so Jeremiah is just saying, hey, we're going to be in captivity. There's going to be a captivity for 70 years. And so this second exodus is not as impressive and as extensive as the, the first exodus out of Egypt because it's like after being, it's like me coming to Canada and uh, was born here in Canada. My parents are from Germany. And uh, you're, you're here for your entire life. It's like even though my, I'm first generation here in Canada, there is no desire or heart to go back to to, to Germany to live there. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm a Canadian. I'm, this is where I've been. I, I, I was born in Canada and I grew up in Canada. I have no intention of going back uh, to live in Germany, to visit perhaps, but definitely not to live there. And so there was a huge uh, part or the people of Israel were in Babylon, which would be in, in what is now um, Iraq. Uh, and so they, were, they stayed there. So there was just a small group that came. And so Ezra relates the story of, of these uh, two returns from Babylon. The first led by Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. So you, we've heard his name spoken numerous times in the last few weeks. And so we have that, uh, the rebuilding of the temple. And the second, under the leadership of Ezra, to rebuild the spiritual condition of the people, verses 7 to 10. And sandwiched between these two accounts, the first six chapters and the last four chapters, is about 60 years, about six decades. And so... Um, we realize that uh, there's time that's taken has taken place, and so Ezra recounts what's happened, and then he also re there's this realization, and there's that there is a spiritual uh, this leadership of under Ezra is to rebuild the spiritual condition of the people. So, question is, where are you spiritually? Where are you at spiritually? Is there, is there a growth that's taking place in your life? Because there, there can be a, a time and a place and a point where we, we have gone so far and, and maybe we get caught up. Like we're, you know, we were taken into captivity and, and uh, you know, there's this stirring. We need to, the, the building of the temple needs to take place and, and uh, we're still in Babylon. Or we're caught up in the ways of this world. Or we're sidetracked. It's not like maybe we're doing bad things. But it's like, man, the Lord is not where he should be at in my life. And where I'm at with the Lord, it's not where I should be at. There needs to be changes. And so this building of the spiritual condition of where the people are at. And it's, it's an, an interesting thing. So what we're going to do, and I don't know, uh, today we're just going to cover uh, chapter 7 of Ezra. And, um, and I just, I want to make a number of points that it's amazing how it is for us today to recognize these things for us today. So the part of the, from the first six chapters, 
of Ezra. Just a few things uh, that he starts off immediately, but I find out some things about Ezra. And Ezra, the, his name, and I've been giving meanings of, of the name, uh, it means help. If, if anybody was there to, to help or of help, it was definitely Ezra. And so part of, of who he was, truly, he was a, a leader, a servant leader of God and under the Lord. And it's like the Lord is working through him. An interesting individual and things that we can pick up. So some of the things that I picked up is, first off, this, this aspect of looking back at history. Looking back at history. Uh, and it's, it's good. The last little while, I, I've been saying, you know what, the decisions we make today impact our future. Well, the decisions that were made in the last generation or two generations ago impact us today. And we're, we, sometimes it's swaying, not just, you know, one family or whatever or families, but we're talking decisions made 100 years ago are impacting denominations of churches, groupings of, ch of churches today, 100, 120 years later, because of decisions made by a few people way back. And the good decisions, it's like, thank you, Lord, for the good decisions of our ancestors. The bad decisions, it's like, not good, that there would be a looking back to the things that need to change because it's impacted us negatively. The things of the past need to, to change that we're not caught up with the things of the past in our lives. The decisions our parents made, our grandparents, or others that, made, that came before us, they're not impacting us today. To learn from the mistakes of our ancestors or finishing the unfinished work that the Lord would have us do or would have had even previous generations do, that there would be a finishing of some of the works the Lord would, would have us finish. So I, I see that he looks back over his history. Uh, and he, the, the thing that he is looking for specifically is what, does, what did the word of the Lord, what was the word of the Lord to those that came before me? Did they heed it? Did they, did they listen? Did they follow through with it? And so, looking back, it's, it's like, was there a word that was spoken, a, a word that needs to be accomplished in our life? We might say back, you know what, I look back and I, 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 don't, I don't know what word was spoken to my parents or grandparents or they didn't serve the Lord or whatever. The decisions to not serve the Lord impacted you. But it also, there is a point where God reaches out regardless of our past, and he's reaching out to us, and he's desiring to speak to us. And so Ezra was one that was looking at the word of the Lord to his children and for his children. So his word, the word of the Lord, has an impact of blessing us as we obey, or it being a detriment, a curse, or that of chastisement as we would disobey. So the word of the Lord is critical in our lives. And what the Lord would speak. The, 
one of the things that he also looks back is not just at the word of the Lord, but he looks back and he looks at this is how God has moved. This is what happened in the past. And so today, even before, and I thank God, your, your testimony was one of, of, of confirmation of parts of this message tonight is the remembrance. To know this is the day that my, I gave my life to Jesus and there's this aspect of remembrance. I don't know if it was the thing that you marked down. The day was significant to you, to, you, to both of you. And so there was a marking down of that day and a, re a remembrance of the date and a thanksgiving of thank you, Lord, that this is what happened. This is what happened. And there were changes. And this is how God moved. It says in Ezra 1.5, it says, Then the heads of the fathers of the houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And so here Ezra is looking back and he's saying, this is how God moved a number of years ago in 536 B.C. And it's now 457 B.C. Somebody do the math there. Somebody. Four, five, 457 and 536. So 33 plus 36 is 69. Was that a quick math there? 69? 69 years ago, a word came, and there was a moving, a positive move according to not just the word of the Lord, but even the spirit of God, unctioning and filling and, and raising people up to fulfill the word of the Lord, with whose spirits God had moved, and they arose to go up and build the house of the Lord. And so there's this, this thing of Ezra saying, but that was then. This is where I'm at right now. I can trust in the Lord. This is how God provided in the past. And this is, I, I'm, I'm just going over the history of what's happened. And there's, there's an indication of how God pr provided. And so the God that we serve, let me say to you. You might say, well, you know what, that's Old Testament, or that was New Testament 2,000 years ago, but what about for today? Is God the same? Is God able to do a work today in my life and in who I am? And I would say to you, yes, especially regarding the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment we gave our life to Jesus, we became the temple of the Holy Spirit, and there's this building. We are living stones, and there's a building up. That needs to take place within us. It is for us. We can trust in the same God that Ezra trusted in as he was looking back and saying, well, can I trust that God? And the beautiful thing is there are times within, as Ezra writes, that there is this thing of, I, I wanted to go to the king, but I've already asked of him too much or already too much. And so all I could do was trust in the Lord. I already said that I was going to trust in the Lord. And here I'm asking the king, can you protect us as we go out? Like there's going to be, you know, almost 50,000 people, this, this small exodus. It wasn't just a few, few people. It was like 50,000 people. The first exodus out of Egypt was like we're talking probably close to 3 million people. So it was much smaller, but it was still a significant moving and so, in fact, you can read. The other thing I found about Ezra, man, the guy was concise. 
He was concise with numbers, amounts, details. If you look at Ezra chapter 2, like there's, almost, there's, I don't know, almost 70 verses, and every single one, there's, there's probably about 50, almost 60 verses that have to do with the names of people and their sons and their family and whatever, and it's going line by line. It's, it talks about this person and their family, this person and their family, and all of these things. There's this detail. Ezra was concise. He was organized. And we read in Ezra uh, 2, verse 64 to 70, this organization, and he's relating things that happened like almost 70 years prior. It says the whole assembly together, or sorry, that back then was together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 200 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, their donkeys 6,720. So you get the idea. Like, we're talking detailed. Detail. Organized. Now we get to chapter 7. It says, now after these things, in the reign of Artaz Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Shereiah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalem, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub. And you're wondering, why is he listing all these names? The son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meraioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzai, the son of Buki, Bukai the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. There was a lineage that went back to the first high priest and Aaron. And he's recounting, this is, I am the son, this is my great, 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 great grandfather, Aaron, the high priest. And so there's this, this, He's, by the Spirit of God, this is important to God that Ezra is known and his, his heritage and the fact that he is also one that desires the things of the spiritual, just like Aaron, the high priest, was overseeing the spiritual aspect of the people and the relationship with God. So after you are saved... This building, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I want to just, as we go through this chapter, just quickly, I'm going to mark off a few points for you. And the first thing is this. If you want to be built up, if you want to grow, if you want to be established as a believer, you, maybe you just uh, came to know the Lord and you want to be established. First off, let me say this. Start to learn. Know. And do the word of God. If you want to grow, learn, know, and do the word of the Lord. The word of God. This Ezra, he says, so this son of Aaron, the chief priest, this Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, 
which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him, Ezra, all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nithanim came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. You might say, what's Nithanim? They're basically temple servants. They helped out in the, the, the aspects, the daily running of the temple. And so here... As you, this scribe, as skilled scribe in the law of Moses, in the word, word of, the, of the Lord, that we would begin, take in the word of God. Take in the word of God. Know the word of God. Do the word of God. And it says, the king granted him all his request according to the hand of the Lord, of his God upon him. As you begin to take in the word of the Lord, to know it and to do it, there is a work that will begin to take place that is beyond you, that is of the Lord God, even to the point of having favor, not just with God, but favor with man. It's interesting that you might, and you might say, well, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? You have 27 books in the New Testament. Three or four of them are the Gospels. And the rest of them are, are basically letters written by Paul. Like we, we have 13, possibly 14 of the books or letters are written by Paul. We have letters written by John, the disciple of Jesus, who also wrote and saw the revelation of Jesus. So we have John, the disciple of Jesus. We have, and John writes... Uh, not just the gospel, according to John, but also these letters that he writes, those three letters that are written by John, the disciple of Jesus. And they're all also revelation. This vision is, that is given is written by John. So not just Paul. We have John. We have Peter. We have James, the half-brother of Jesus. So this James is, is not uh, the disciple of Jesus. Because the disciple of Jesus, James, was the first martyr that he was killed. One of the first that was killed was James. The one that, but this, the half-brother of Jesus is the one that wrote the, 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 the letter that's entitled James. We have Jude. wonder who Jude is. Jude also was the half-brother of Jesus. So he was, uh, James and Jude were the offspring of Mary and Joseph. And so here they are. If anybody knew Jesus, it would have been his siblings. They knew Jesus. At first they were saying, hey, you know, they were, you know, we're your brothers and sisters. And Jesus says, no, well, these are my brothers and sisters. But there was a turnaround from them where the two of them, Jude and James, actually had wrote these short letters. Jude is only one chapter long. And James is, uh, I think, five, just five chapters long. But these are letters. Why, why are these letters written? These letters are written for how we should conduct ourselves, for the most part, while we're here on earth. And so we have all kinds of instruction given of who we are in Christ, but also who we, what we need to be and what we need to do is given, and there's instruction. Much of the book 
of, of the letters, our instruction on how we need to live so that we would start to learn to know and to do the word of God and how we should live on this side of heaven. The Lord will bless you as you do that. There's a blessing that comes in no, hearing the word of God and receiving the word of God and doing the word of God. It says in uh, verse 8, it said, Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from ba uh, Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. So from the first month to the fifth month, this time span, these months, it took months for them to come to this place to to go to Jerusalem, to go, it was about going, the temple was built, and so there's this thing of, of the, the spiritual condition of the people, and so there's a moving towards God, the, where God was residing, the house of the Lord. And so, if you want to grow, and, the, and your temple grow, you become stronger and stronger spiritually, begin the journey towards getting closer to God. In this day and age, I, I cannot believe how little time we have with all the conveniences we have. Like a hundred years ago, you know, people were just, yeah, they were like not as many people had cars. 150 years ago, and definitely in this time, they didn't have cars. So this trip that took four months to, to bring everything over, and, and there's an account of all the things that, he, that were brought concisely, and, and all, everything was, was taken account of, and, and um, the moving of, of peoples. And so here there is this moving towards God that you would determine, you know what? If there's changes that need to make, be made in my life, that I would make those changes because we can get so busy. And sometimes, let me just say this, it can even be in the ministry of the Lord. We are so caught up in doing ministry for the Lord, or we could be, that we don't have, a, we don't have time for our family, or we don't even have time for God because we're doing the work of the Lord. I like the thing that keeps me to, to, yeah, I, I, I know there's a lot of hours that may go in in, in, a, in a given week. But that keeps me grounded is this thing of the, the qualifications of a bishop. And there's this aspect of taking care of your own household. Take care of your own household first. If you can't take care of your, your own household, you have no right to take care of the body or the church is what it says for the bishop. And that's a good instruction because ministry should never come before your spouse or your family, even if they don't know the Lord. As for me and my house, that they would serve the Lord. And maybe I know some of you might be in a position where, you know, we're the only ones that are, are saved in our, our household or whatever. Uh, recognize the importance of your family in your relationship or you're moving and you're developing with uh, or getting close to the Lord. Recognize your family 
in all of this. So, yes, move towards the Lord. Heed his word. Know his word. Do his word. And we get closer to the Lord. I like what it says that in the journey getting closer to the Lord, this is verse 9. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. The Lord was with them. The Lord is with us in our journey as we move closer to God. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to move closer. I'm going to get closer to you. And you are with me in the, in the journey. So you might say, but, Lord, I, I've got things that I want to do. He says, okay, not, not quite yet. But, yes, in the meantime, we're... we're hearing the word, we're doing the word, and we're drawing closer to the Lord, and the Lord, his hand is upon us. He is with us. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. That your heart, you would prepare, you would be intentional about seeking the law of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, to do it and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. So not only he's saying, I'm determined to know the ways of the Lord, but also that my knowing the ways of the Lord, that I would be able to, to accomplish them, to do them, and to teach others the statutes and ordinances in Israel, the things, how we can live and should live. So I want to teach others as well. And so this is our, already, the Lord is, is putting is on Ezra when it comes to the building of the temple and the spiritual condition of, of the people. Lord, let me impact others. Some of you have people that are very close to you that don't know the ways of the Lord. And so prepare your heart, Lord. Use me to minister to those around me that, that don't know your ways. They don't know your, your, your commandments. They don't know who, about who you are. They don't know about your goodness. They don't know about your love. They don't know about the fact that the Lord can and will be with us each and every day. There is a flourishing, even as we, we determine to that. It's not even having done it yet. But we determine, we're prepared in our hearts to seek the law and to do it, the law of the Lord, and to do it and to teach others and, and the ordinances and the statutes. It's just even in the heading of that and determining to do that, that the Lord will begin to flourish you. You will abound. I like what it says in Luke chapter 8. This is a parable of the sower and the seed. It says, and he spoke by a parable, this is verse 4, end of verse 4, and he starts off with, a sower went out to sow a seed. In verse 8 it says, but others fell, they fell on different, the seed was spread and it fell on different types of ground, but others fell on good ground, verse 8, sprang up and yielded crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So after giving this illustration, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm done. And he stops. 
And the crowds, I'm sure at that point, they, might, they were probably sitting for a short period of time. And it's like, okay, time to move on, or let's wait until the Lord starts doing miracles. But yeah, nice illustration. His disciples, however, ask him, saying, what does this parable mean? Lord, there's something more to this. What does it mean? This is a good thing, that from one seed there would be a crop of a, that is a hundredfold because of this good soil. Like, what do these, these different things mean? And so he says, they are asking, and he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. Why has it been, why, tell me, why do you think the mysteries of the kingdom of God were given to his disciples and not to the masses? Anybody? Their faith. Okay, their faith, because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go even, be even further than that. Because that's, that's, at that point, they believed that his disciples believed that, or were just starting to believe. This is the, this is the son of God. Uh, as Andrew came to Peter, and they were disciples of John the Baptist, and he says, Andrew said to Peter, hey, Peter, I found the Messiah. I found the Messiah. This, is the, this has got to be the Messiah, the one that's been prophesied of. This is him, Jesus. You've got to come and meet him. So the, the disciples were followers of Jesus, and they're asking, and he's saying, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To the disciples, because they were saying, we want to know more. Tell us what does this mean? And I'll tell you, there's a distinguishing between those that are really wanting the things of God and are really searching for truth and those that are just whatever. Or that's kind of cool. What can we, is there anything we can get out of Jesus that's more material? It's more, you know, a tangible thing. A thing that as we realize it's like a thing that is fleeting. It doesn't last. Jesus, just these things that we want that are really not eternal, they're going to pass away. But here, even as Jesus talks about to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To get to know what, what is the kingdom of God all about? But to the rest, it's given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So they saw this illustration, this parable. They saw it, and they heard what Jesus said, and it's like, whatever. But not so you. This is the one. The ones, the seeds that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. There's a fruit that starts to grow in your life. If you want to make, I, I've mentioned this a few times, about three years ago, we were going through actually this chapter, Luke 8, and it hit me. Do you want blessing in your life? As a believer, I'm talking about a believer. Do the word of God, because there's going to be a hundredfold increase in your life just by keeping one commandment. Well, keep two. Keep three. 
Keep four. Keep them all. The blessing for you, the increase, he's saying, to bear fruit with patience a hundredfold. So it's not just hearing the word because in three of the other situations, there, there was a hearing to a certain extent, but there was a thing of hardness or there was a stony ground or there was thorny ground. And the conditions where, like, I'm being sidetracked from the receiving and doing the word of God, accepting and doing the word of God. So it was they heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it. They kept it, and they bear fruit with patience. It's going to happen. There will be a fruit that takes place in your life, and it is good. So do, do the word of the Lord. And he was the type of man, Lord, let me be prepared to seek the law of the Lord, your word, your commands, and that there would be a teaching. Or I'm going to do your word and not just hear about it and get to know it, but to do it and to teach others. This is a good thing, even as we prepare ourselves. If you prepare yourself, you may have not, you don't know all of his word, but the growth in you, and I see it in different people. They just grab a hold, and the way they grow is unbelievable. There's others that are just casual about it. It's like, you know, five years later, ten years later, there's like there's very little change. There's no change in them. They're just always going around. Same, same thing. Same thing. No changes. Nothing. Same thing. Five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. You want to grow, and I'm just saying you, if I want to grow, I'm going to hear the word, I'm going to do it. I'm prepared to hear and do the word, and then to teach others as well. There will be a flourishing. The Lord will work things out for you when you have the right heart and motivation. Look at verse 11. Like, talk about God moving. It says, this is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, and not just the priest, the one that was overseeing the ministry of the Lord and, and to the people and to, the, to God, but the scribe, the one that was writing, to write, he was writing the word. So back then, like, Julie came to me and said, Dave, can you do something for me, I, uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, I said, sure. So I took a picture of what she wanted to have done, took a picture, sent it to my notes, took it from the notes, emailed it to my, my laptop, which was hooked up to computer. So I just ch uh, changed a few things. Within five minutes, I sent it to the printer with a change of font, uh, title, all these different things, and it was sent off so she could uh, have it ready for the, the baby shower. I was like, oh, that's amazing. The, the technology, well, back then they had to write every single word by hand on the parchments. And if they made a mistake, they'd have to start all over again because it was on a roll. It was on a scroll. It was not even a piece of paper. It was on a scroll. It's like, ah, oh, I put in the wrong letter. 
no, I dotted the wrong spot. I put a, a, a little line across where I shouldn't have. Oh, no, and I got to start all over again. They were meticulous in keeping the word and scribing. And so here he is. He's not just the priest, but he's also the scribe. And it says an expert. This word expert is the same word as scribe, but there's a, a, an extending of, of who he was. He was an expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And so here, the Lord is working, and it says this copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest. And here God is working on Ezra's behalf just because his heart was in the right place. And I want to know the word of God. Lord, that I would get to know your word, that I'd take time in your word. And so when we have free time, what do we do with our free time? Do we have enough time to say, you know what, I'm going to take time to, to, to read through the word of God or to spend time in the word? I spent a lot of time in the word. This year, my, my heart was, I want to go through the word of God chronologically. So I'm keeping, I'm, I'm every day, you know, I'm keeping up. If I miss a day or two of, of my reading, outside of all other reading that I might do, is I go back. I want to keep on the word of God. These guys had to scribe it, but he was an expert in the word. And the Lord begins to do a work and to say, Lord, I'm prepared to do that. Let that work begin in me. Let that work begin in me. And let that work be done around me. The Lord will work things out for us when we have the right heart and the motivation. Just quickly, I'm realizing, wow, time's going a lot faster than I thought. God will move powerfully on your behalf. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to the Ezra, the priest, describe the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace, and so forth. <laughs> if there's not peace by you keeping the word or by others not keeping this decree that I'm writing, uh, there's going to be some issues. Whoever is coming against this word that I'm giving to you on your behalf, watch out. Perfect peace as you heed this command, this decree, and so forth. Otherwise, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Israel or Jerusalem may go, excuse me, go with you. And so God will move powerfully on your behalf to know who you belong to. You belong to the God of heaven. So Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, the God of heaven that you serve is the same God that Ezra had back then. Is the same God we have today. God will move powerfully on your behalf. Even decrees by others would be made. And whereas you are being sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem and with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand, you've got it in your hand, and whereas you are to carry the silver and the gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered to, the, to you to carry or have offered to the God of Israel whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. And whereas all the silver and the gold that you may find in all the province of Babylon, along with the freewill offering of the people and the priests, are, uh, are to be freely offered for the house of their God in, in Jerusalem. Now, therefore, be careful to buy with this money bulls, rams, lambs, and their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them on the altar of the house of your God in Jerusalem. And whatever seems good to you and your brethren to do with the rest of the silver and the gold, do it according to the will of your God. Like, what a decree. He's basically saying, and in this, it's like, the responsibility that was given to Ezra. 
And I want to say to you, as you determine to serve God, God will say, you know what? I've got things to you to, for you to do. And I'm saying to you today, don't be afraid to take on responsibility. But I can't do that. I don't know if I can do that. The Lord is with you. With regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand, take the responsibility. Take up responsibility. Don't say, well, I, I, you know what, I, I haven't gone to seminary, I haven't gone to Bible school, I, I don't have the training, whatever. The Lord is saying, take up responsibility. Don't bury your talents. Don't bury the responsibilities that have been given to you. Don't bury them, but use them before the Lord. Also, the articles that you are given to you, uh, given to you for the service of the house of your God, deliver in full before the God of Jerusalem. And whatever more may be needed for the house of your God, which you may have occasion to provide, pay for it from the king's treasury. And I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, issue a decree to all the treasurers who are in the region beyond the river that whatever Ezra the priest described of the law of the God of heaven may require of you, let it be done diligently. Up to 100 talents of silver, 100 cores of wheat, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil and salt without prescribed limit. And here, the king is saying, Ezra, I'm giving you this responsibility. And the Lord is saying to you, I am giving you responsibility. Be a good steward of what I've entrusted you with. The things that I entrust you with, be a good steward of those things. The gifts, the talents, the, the things the Lord is stirring and quickening in your, in your heart, be a good steward of those things. A good manager. Those that lead, that they would lead with diligence. Verse 23, whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it diligently be done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? And so here King Artaxerxes is, is saying, you know what? Build a house because I don't want the wrath of your God coming upon us because I know who your God is. I know what he can do. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we would do what is right before the Lord so no chastisement is necessary from him. The chastisement of the Lord in our lives. That he would not have to chastise because we're already doing the things of the Lord. Lord, you've entrusted me with your word and, and, and to draw close to you. You've entrusted me with, with uh, responsibility. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do I'm going to be a good manager of what you've entrusted me with. And I'm going to do it. You don't need to correct me. You don't need to chastise me. Also, we inform you that it shall, be not, it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or custom on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, nethanim, or servants of this house of God. And the Lord is saying, basically, there is a favor of the Lord on us as we begin to draw close to him. I'm moving to build a temple of my life that it be pleasing to him. I'm going to do the word of the Lord that he has given me, I, I will do, take on the responsibilities he's, he's given me. Lord, I will serve you. That his will would be done in our lives and through us. God will give you wisdom to take care of the things of the Lord. 
Lord, help me to take care of what you've given me. And you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, the Lord gave Ezra wisdom. The Lord will give us wisdom as we take responsibility in the building of the temple, the things that the Lord has put in our hearts that we would do it. And so according to your God-given wisdom, set magistrates and judges who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God and teach those who do not know them. Whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily on him, whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. Like we're talking extreme consequences here. In par is part of the decree of the king, of this king. And so he's saying, Ezra, I'm, I'm decreeing this to all the land. You've got my backing. And how much more the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you wisdom. And I want you to impact other people for good. That we would not take the word of the Lord lightly. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Now, this is Ezra speaking. I'm going to acknowledge and bless the Lord that he stirred on, on this, the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Lord, I'm going to bless you because you are the one that is able to beautify who I am, this temple of the Holy Spirit. And you've extended mercy on, uh, to me before the king and his counselors, before all the king's mighty princes. And it says, as it ends off this chapter, it says, so I was encouraged as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. Can we stand together? I want you to be encouraged tonight. And so Ezra, he's writing, and he says, these things encouraged me. These things I determined to do. And so as I do them, there's an encouragement as the hand, I know the hand of the Lord of, of my God is upon me and is upon you. And he's going up, not alone, but he's going up with others that you would not walk alone. Let me just say this, in these last days and especially in this year, this thing of there being teams, leadership and teams, leadership teams and teams to do different things, so working together. And the Lord is raising up those that would lead men and women around us, that we'd work together. Hallelujah. I want to close with this. This thing of being a temple, we're living stones, this building of the, of, of the temple, of the Spirit of God. The summary of, of this first letter of Peter the summary, as it ends off, it says, and this is that this would be our heart. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gr gives grace to the humble. And you might be at that point where you just say, you know what? Lord, I surrender to you. I submit to you. I submit to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I, I'm clothed with humility. But I would not be proud. Let me not be arrogant. Let me not lift and, and puff myself up. Because God will resist the proud. But he will give grace to the humble. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We will go through battles. Yes, the enemy is against us, but we have a mighty God as I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And then God says, and I read these two verses to begin the service tonight. 1 Peter 5, verse 10 and 11. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When the Holy Spirit fills us and the temple is being built up, the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. And even to have us, to help us to be more like Jesus. To love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we are not alone in it, is the Holy Spirit is helping us, is helping you, despite our flaws. And I like, I like, even as, as this man that Ezra was, there are different parts that we'll read up of in the next chapter or two, that it, we realize that he, he hadn't arrived yet. He hadn't arrived yet. He wasn't like, wow, this is, this is just a great man of God. But some of the things that he prepared to do before it even happened, that we would be prepared, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to do your word. I want to I impact other people's with, people with my life. And so I just surrender to you. I submit to your lordship. And Lord, even as I humble myself before you, you will exalt me. The suffering that I may have to go through will help me to become more like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I just, I come at this time. Lord, that we would surrender our will to your will. Jesus, as you said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, that mind that was in you, we say, let that mind be in us. Lord, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And so, Lord, we come before you and we surrender. We yield, we surrender to you. Here I am, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Have your way in us. Lord, the things that need to be cleaned out of us, Lord, wash them out. Clean them out. Cleanse us, Lord. Lord, let us be a vessel of honor, not of dishonor, but of honor. Lord, so clean out the things. If there's anything of dishonor within us, if there's anything that should not be within us, Lord, let there be a washing and a cleansing. And Lord, that we would heed your word, and do your word, and surrender to you, Lord Jesus. So here we are. Here I am. Surrender to you. Lord, that there would be a praise and a worship that goes up to you and who we are in our lives. Lord, we would bring you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.